Welcome to Live Well with Southwell. Southwell is dedicated to helping you be equipped with the best tools and knowledge to make sure you and your family live a healthy life. Live Well with Southwell features interviews with experts across many areas of healthcare and wellness. We hope you enjoy listening and most importantly, living well. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Liza Tillman, and today we are talking with Dr. Darren Spikes, a plastic surgeon with Allure Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Dr. Spikes is joining us today to discuss the services he offers and how he can help patients identify and remove skin cancer, as well as reconstruction after a skin cancer diagnosis. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Spikes. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. So let's get started, as we always do, by getting to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us where you're from? I'm from right here in Tifton, Georgia. Wonderful. Well, what about your family? Uh, I've been married for a little over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife's been with me through medical school, residency, and everything. Yeah. Uh, We have uh, four children. I graduated high school right here at Tiff County High School. And then I went out west and and got a bachelor's degree from Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Mm -hmm. I attended medical school in Augusta at Medical College of Georgia. Okay. I performed my residency training in plastic surgery at the University of Kansas in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. So what made you decide to get into uh, the plastic and reconstructive surgery route? Well, I knew from my latter years in medical school that I did want to go into surgery, but wasn't exactly sure uh, what type. Uh, When I was in my fourth year of medical school, I did do a plastic surgery rotation. Mm -hmm. And what struck me was just the great variety of challenges and and problems that plastic surgeons faced and that for any given diagnosis or or problem, there was usually more than one way uh, that it could be addressed. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was very interesting and uh, challenging to have to critically think about how one was going to uh, address a problem in a particular patient that may not work well in another patient, Mm -hmm. uh, even if they had the same uh, problem or diagnosis. And so that uh, drew me in, so to speak, yeah. uh, to that uh, specialty. And so you've been practicing for how long? 10 years. That's right. So you just had your 10-year um, anniversary on That's your practice. Correct. Congratulations. That's correct. Thank you. Can you tell us where your practice is located? Yes. My office is in the physician's office building right next to the hospital. So okay. um, on the third floor. All right. I think we call that the medical office yeah, building. Something like that, technically, yeah. but it's it's that big, uh, big, big building next to the main hospital. There's very few physicians in there anymore. It's yeah. uh, a lot of support staff, but it's just you. But you have a, a lovely office, a great staff. I know that your patients have said wonderful things about y'all. Well, thank you. I hope yeah. they have. We'd like yeah. to keep it that way. Yeah, for sure. What services do you offer to patients at Allure? So when people think of plastic surgeons, they usually think of the cosmetic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And so we certainly do provide those services from the non-invasive things such as Botox and and fillers um, all the way to cosmetic surgery, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, breast surgery, tummy tuck. You know, people like to think of mommy makeovers Uh and and that sort of thing. Uh, But I also practice the reconstructive aspect of plastic surgery. And so really the most or one of the more common procedures that I do is breast reduction. Okay. And so uh, women have, you know, neck pain, back pain, mm-hmm. shoulder pain and the like. Yeah. And they have dealt with that chronically. And usually more conservative treatments, of course, do not work. And so surgery is really the only definitive solution to take mm-hmm. care of that. And it's a very, uh, very successful surgery on mm-hmm. 
pretty much all patients uh, yeah. have uh, a large degree of relief after that surgery. But also uh, breast reconstruction uh, for women who have had breast cancer and have had one or both breasts removed mm-hmm. uh, for those types of services. And then, of course, uh, reconstructive surgery after uh, skin cancer removal. Yeah. You know, and reconstructive procedures in a wide variety of mm-hmm. situations, whether it's trauma, uh, chronic wounds. Mm-hmm. For instance, the most common trauma call I get is probably for dog bite injuries. Oh, goodness, uh, yeah. Especially in children. And so plastic surgeons are uniquely trained mm-hmm. to be able to deal with those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really good to know. I know that some people just kind of have a, a knee-jerk reaction about right. like what you said, what a plastic surgeon does. And so um, that's that's great that you offer those services right here in Tifton. I've been doing it for 10 years. I heard that you offer something new called Pronox, um, nitrous oxide for your patients. So how does that help uh, maybe ease a little anxiety? Right. And, and what services would that be uh, most appropriate for? So most people have probably heard the phrase laughing gas. Yes. And that's what nitrous oxide is. And uh, the dentists offer it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a lot, of course. So Pronox is a sort of a trade name for the device that we have that provides a mixture of 50% nitrous oxide or laughing gas mm-hmm. and oxygen. Okay. And so although this won't take away the pain, it mm-hmm. just helps you not care about the pain. There we go. So <laughs> that you can uh, better tolerate okay. uh, the procedure. And it's patient controlled. They just hold a, a circuit up to their mouth mm-hmm. and they breathe in and breathe out as much or as little as as they need mm-hmm. to okay and we can use it with anything i've had patients uh use it with when they're getting their filler injections mm-hmm. or their botox injections and of course when we do more involved procedures in the office such as liposuction and the skin tightening device mm-hmm. um, that i have when we use that uh, then that's very beneficial for the patient to be able to use that and to make the procedure very tolerable yeah and does it, I'm assuming it wears off pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. We will keep you in the office about 10 minutes or so afterwards. <laughs> just want to make sure. Just to make sure. <laughs> but then people walk out and they drive and go about their normal routine. Let's dive into our main topic, which is actually skin cancer. So mm-hmm. how often should we get checked for skin cancer, would you say? So at a minimum, I would say at least once a year mm-hmm. by a physician. And of course, people can do self-checks. Sure. Uh, however often they need to, but at least once a month. And although someone may not know exactly what a skin cancer looks like, mm-hmm. uh, they can certainly tell in most instances if something is changing or yeah. worrisome. Uh, the most common thing pe- patients will tell me is that they have a spot that just came up and it just won't yeah. go away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and or it it bleeds or it mm-hmm. scabs up and then the yeah. it falls off and comes back. So that's usually a red flag. Sure. So people can usually notice changes mm-hmm. on, in their bodies or on their bodies. Yeah. And so even though they may not know what a skin cancer looks like, they mm-hmm. at least know that's going on. Yeah. So we should always get anything that that's going on. We need to get that checked and they can get it checked with you or their primary care doctor. Right. Correct. Okay. How serious is skin cancer in your opinion? I've often heard it referred to as cancer light. Uh, meaning it's not as uh, concerning as other cancers because, you know, it's just skin cancer. Um, Is it something that we should really take seriously? Yes. And there are, of course, different types of skin cancer. Not all skin cancers are equal. Probably what 
everyone is afraid of, and rightly so, is melanoma. Right. And so melanoma carries a higher mortality rate or chance of dying than mm-hmm. the non-melanoma skin cancers. Fortunately, melanomas make up the smallest percentage of skin cancers. The most common skin cancer is basal cell carcinoma, mm-hmm. referring just to the cell layer that the cancer originates from. Okay. Uh, the second most common type is squamous cell carcinoma, which can be a little bit more aggressive, but in general, all of these are very treatable. Usually the primary method of treatment is surgical. Okay. Uh, so once it's surgically removed, then you should be practically cured uh, okay. from the cancer. If people delay in getting treatment mm-hmm. and think that it'll just, quote, go away, yeah. uh, certainly these things can grow and mostly they will be locally destructive, meaning they will just eat away at the mm-hmm. at the tissue wherever yeah. the cancer is. It's very r- rare, mm-hmm. I would say, that these basal cells or squamous cells metastasize or spread to other mm-hmm. you know, body areas. Usually right. they just grow locally and get bigger and grow yeah. deeper. Okay. But we do need to get them checked out. Definitely need to get them checked out and and treated for sure. So how can you help with patients with the removal of their skin cancer? Like you said, if if it has kind of turned into a more serious situation, something outside of the scope of a a primary care physician, how do you help them with that? So most of my patients don't come to me with a skin cancer diagnosis. Okay. Uh, So in the office, of course, I will assess them and Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, patients will come in just for, let's say, one or two spots that they are concerned mm-hmm. about or their physician is concerned about. Right. But I will look at anywhere, mostly the head, neck, arm, yeah. chest area where it's most likely to get skin cancer. So it's not uncommon that a patient will come in for one spot, but I may find more yeah. uh, that are concerning. And so... Typically, at that point, I will perform a biopsy or just take a sample of that tissue. And then once I have a definitive diagnosis and what type of skin cancer it is, and then we'll proceed with, you know, the treatment. And like I stated previously, usually the primary method of treatment would be surgical excision or cutting it out. Is that something that you would do in the office or is that something you would go to the hospital for? It depends. Okay. It depends on the size of the anticipated, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excision where it is and what the anticipated uh, reconstruction needs to be. And of course, what the patient feels he or she could tolerate and be comfortable with. Sure. Um, you know, doing it in the office, I don't, we don't have general anesthesia sure. in my <laughs> office. So uh, we just use local anesthesia. So, um, but I will perform a lot of these in the office if the okay. patient can tolerate it and the reconstruction is not particularly involved okay. and relatively straightforward. Okay. What can you do to help patients who may have had a large portion of skin cancer removed from places like their ears or nose? Is that something you can help with? Yes. So that's another thing that plastic surgeons are uniquely trained in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of you know, noses, eyelids, ears and and lips those are very specialized areas areas. (laughs) and so um, there are reconstructive uh, techniques Mm. that are available that can help restore as much as possible normal form and of course also maintain function Mm -hmm. if someone has a skin cancer on their nose of course we want them to we want their nose to look pretty much like it did before sure. they had the skin cancer and of course for them to still be able to breathe. Yeah. Uh, so 
there is usually a spectrum of reconstructive possibilities, each with their own advantages and disadvantages, risks and benefits. And so I discussed with the patient all of those anticipated um, possibilities and then uh, make a judgment, usually at the time of surgery, what would be best for the patient. Okay. I've had several friends who've who've seen you before and they've all said that you've done a really wonderful job of, like you said, kind of preparing everybody for what a realistic outcome will be. Right. Um, and right. that you, I think we mm-hmm. sometimes have an idea in our heads that things are going to go back exactly the way that they were or that they're going to look a certain way. And so um, definitely commend you for, for preparing your patients for, for a realistic outcome. And I know they're always happy with it, but, but there's... Yeah. <laughs> There's a part of that that's important. Well, some patients think that because I'm a plastic surgeon that I can do scarless surgery. Right. Well, there's no such thing <laughs> as scarless. <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as scarless surgery. I right. wish there were. Uh, but, of course, uh, we try to get the best scar possible, mm-hmm. hide scars, camouflage scars where yeah. possible yeah. so that they're much less noticeable. That's great. I think this is an important topic uh, to discuss while we're talking about um, skin cancer. Uh, I know you're more on the removal end, but how can we prevent skin cancer? So the best thing you can do is to use sunscreen. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So anything above 30 or 40 SPF, you're probably not getting any additional benefit from. Okay. Uh, It's blocking enough, you know, ready UVA, UVB rays to, to help protect you. The main thing is just try to remember to reapply it. Yeah. Even if you have a, quote, waterproof, mm-hmm. you know, sunscreen, it's a good idea to uh, maybe every couple of hours or so, give or take, uh, to reapply that sunscreen. Uh, also, if you're going to be outside, you can always wear, you know, big hats or something to help uh, cover your ears and your nose and that sort of thing. So we don't have to come see you farther down the road to yeah. fix our nose <laughs> and our ears, right? right? <laughs> well, sun exposure, UV exposure is the biggest risk factor, for sure. you know, for yeah. skin cancer. So, How about tanning beds? How bad are those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly would... Um, from just strictly speaking, from a skin cancer <laughs> standpoint, it's best to avoid them. Uh, you will get exposed to, of yeah. course, the the rays that would help mm-hmm. cause skin cancer. I know yeah. they're probably very popular, yeah. uh, but again, like I say, just from a strictly skin cancer prevention standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably best to avoid. And even from a skin aging standpoint, I think we all, f- I know, speaking as a woman, we all feel better when we have a tan and that's fine, right. but um, I, I think I read somewhere that if you have like more than two sunburns or something like that, you've really just increased your risk for skin cancer and sunspots and all that. It's a good point. Even if you don't get a skin cancer, ultimately, uh, chronic and repeated sun exposure does damage the skin. Mm-hmm. And so it can lead to signs of aging yeah. and uh, skin blemishes, as it were. Yeah. We want to avoid that. (laughs) (laughs) But I can help with that potentially, too, if you have You can. (laughs) Thank you again for joining us, Dr. Spikes. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, if you would like to make an appointment with Dr. Darren Spikes, you can call Allure at 229-391-3600 or visit mysouthwall.com slash Allure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Live Well with Southwell. If you have a question for a healthcare expert or a topic you'd like us to discuss, send an email to info at myselfwell.com. 
Until next time, live well.